welcome to a new episode of Vogue Digest, the podcast uncovering Vogue magazine one edition at a time. In today's episode, we dive into the January 2022 issue of British Vogue, showcasing a fashion revolution. Meeting the rise of resale on the verge of the pandemic, popularity of vintage fashion, and the new sustainable designers on the market. Vogue Digest was very pleased to see British Vogue take a stance on this important topic, so keep listening to the full episode to find out how well the January issue portrays the importance of sustainability and what our guest speaker, Catherine, has to say on the topic of vintage fashion. I'm your host, Josefina, as always, and this is Vogue Digest. As mentioned, before we begin with the episode as usual and uncover British Vogue, I'm joined by a very exciting guest for a little chat on all things British Vogue and sustainability in your everyday fashion choices. Catherine, please introduce yourself. Everyone, I am Catherine or Cat or Cathy. Uh, everyone seems to have a different nickname for me and I respond to all of them. Um, so I am a freelance marketing and business development consultant working across fashion and beauty. Um, I My background is kind of in tech. Um, I worked for Google for 10 years and then decided I wanted to go and help startups, um, I guess, make more money. Um, so yeah, I work across a range of clients, um, all with a slightly sustainable angle. Um, so I've worked for rental platforms such as by rotation. I've worked for sustainable fashion brands such as Fanfare Label. Um, I also work with a beauty website called Get the Gloss. Um, and I work with an, another uh, fashion platform called Sept, which is like Tinder for shopping. So a huge variety of clients. Um, and I'm super passionate about sustainability, even though it's quite a recent um, journey for me um, because one, I hate to see all the waste. Um, two, I'm like a, such a stickler for materials. I hate kind of buying anything that's polyester. I really kind of check the labels and everything I buy. I don't want to, um, there's no need to sometimes buy something new. You can always use what's already there. So whether that's secondhand or rental. Um, and I also love to have a unique style. I hate kind of wearing the same thing as someone else. And I really kind of think that buying secondhand or buying more sustainable is a is a good way to do that fantastic well Catherine first things first how often do you read British Vogue we would love to know are you a Vogue fanatic like we are here at Vogue Digest and what is your take on British Vogue um definitely I have read Vogue from like my young teenage years um and it's definitely been um, a mainstay kind of um, as something I purchase. I've been bought subscriptions for pretty much like every birthday or Christmas. Um, I even have a little stack of like um, vintage or not vintage, but um, older Vogue's, um, you know, behind me as we speak. Um, and I guess like Vogue to me has always been like quite aspirational. You look through the pages and you get inspiration and you feel like, wow, you know, kind of, you either see like amazing people they're talking about, you see people wearing amazing clothes. Um, and I feel like it's quite an educated and chic publication. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even the former British Vogue chief editor, Alexandra Schulman, has claimed that British Vogue's power is universally acknowledged. 
And actually, Vogue magazine is commonly referred to as the fashion's bible. I'm sure we have all heard that phrase before. But in the age of social media, does Vogue magazine hold any importance in your opinion? Um, I definitely think so. Um, as much as I love kind of like catching up in articles and trends online, I don't think anything really compares to having like a physical magazine or a physical copy of something that you can just like take to the coffee mm-hmm. shop and uh kind of like read and not not stare at your phone it kind of helps save your eyes um and it you know it's bad to be staring at your screen all day so I think it holds like a little bit of a escapism I still think you know there's such a talented team of people working there and they like bring something out every month that's like exciting and different um and yeah you can't always get that by kind of consuming everything online Yeah, um, I completely agree with you that reading the physical magazine is a completely different experience, which I also prefer. Um, British Vogue is the second edition of Vogue magazine ever launched, and it is one of the leading fashion magazines in the UK today, with 5.8 million Instagram followers and millions of readers yearly. So considering that standing and global reach Vogue has, Vogue Digest, Our podcast strongly feels that Vogue magazine must drive change for the better across a variety of issues imposed by the fashion industry and also educate their readers. So as we know, the January issue of British Vogue is dedicated to sustainability and vintage fashion. So Catherine, what is the significance of British Vogue educating their fashion-loving readers on these important issues like sustainability? Um, I think it's hugely important. I suppose that is like the view or opinion that fashion magazines, like they still show clothes that no one can afford. Um, and I, and you know, like it's definitely is aspirational rather than like your everyday. Um, but I know that Vogue and, uh, and other magazines have made leaps and bounds um, in changing this in recent years. Um, but I mean, there's always progress to be made. I mean, personally, I have noticed like a real shift in the way that people have been shopping and consuming fashion, especially during the pandemic um and i think it's really important to show people that you know there are other ways to consume fashion um and you know you can you can do that in many different ways and i think it's the responsibility of magazines to to give you options and then you can make that choice for yourself and personally i always so think it's really cool to wear a garment with like history and story before it got to you um and it helps with the whole unique angle i was talking about earlier Yes, exactly. I completely agree with you. So how would you then describe your fashion preferences a bit further and the way you feel about vintage clothing? I feel like I've mentioned the word like unique like 20 times in this <laughs> in this recording already. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I definitely don't like people wearing the same thing as me. When someone comes up in the street and asks me what I'm wearing, yes. I'm always a bit like, oh, shall I tell them or shall I not? <laughs> I won't tell you. <laughs> very secretive yeah you can you can rent it from me instead um so and as i mentioned before i think it's like super important like where it comes from um and what it's made of um so vintage is a part of it like i think but then there's also many other ways that you can do it so um as i've mentioned rental like finding new sustainable brands there's lots of brands that do things with upcycling um you know even if it's I guess like you can find vintage stuff at a charity shop, but it's not necessarily considered vintage. So I think there's like lots of different ways that you can go and consume it. Um, And then it doesn't need to be like something brand new um, off the rails or something you see in a magazine. It can be, Mm. it can be something different. 
Yeah, I'm glad you say so, as that's something we have discussed here on the podcast before as well. And in addition to that, um, that is something that was missing from the January issue. Um, I don't think they made clear references to finding alter- like alternative ways of consuming, but it was rather very focused on the vintage fashion aspect. Um, but finally... What would you want to see from British Vogue in the future? Personally, I would love to see British Vogue sort of take clear steps towards making Vogue for All a reality and increase accessibility to the magazine. Like you said before, the magazine is very aspirational and currently there seems to be a big gap between British Vogue and its readers. Um, some of the newer editions of Vogue, like Vogue Scandinavia, for example, have an initiative called Hashtag My Scandinavia, through which any of their readers can be featured in the magazine um, through their Instagram post. And I, I think that's just super cool and something British Vogue should really consider too. Yeah, um, just to go back to your point on kind of them only showcasing vintage, um, I think, yeah, that's kind mm. of like a, I guess like a bit more of a, I guess it's not as advanced as it should be. I think vintage was something that we were talking about like several years ago. So maybe they have a little a little bit of catching up to do to kind of show people how to consume in different ways. But yeah, I think that is one, mm. one thing they could do differently. I guess just be like more on it with like any new technology or any new um, kind of like ways of consuming that come forward and just like really jump on it. Because I think that's really important. Um, but, you know, as we, as we said, you know, it, is, it does show you things that you can't necessarily afford and your, your friends can't afford. Um, and I still like that element of it because it kind of gives you, you know, I love the kind of idea of like mood boarding and kind of putting things that are goals up there. I guess everyone talks about manifesting. Mm. Maybe I'm manifesting having like a full, f- oh, yes. a, a full wardrobe of Chanel. Um, but, um, oh, yes. <laughs> but, you know, I'd also love to see like more people like me, you know, um, more diversity, even not people like me. Um, and I think that the My Vogue Scandinavia feature sounds super cool. And I think that it's hugely important to make sure that you are, um, you know, making things like digital and social. I think that, you know, having those sorts of hashtags and showing people um, like real people in it is like a really great thing. Yeah, I think so too. And Vogue Scandinavia in particular has a very modern take on Vogue, which we really appreciate. Um, But thank you, Catherine, for joining me and sharing some of your thoughts on the topic. Um, I think it would be appropriate that you would share your socials now so our listeners can go and check out your sustainable fashion choices yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, amazing. Um, so my Instagram is catfullwood, C-A-T-F-U-L, and then wood. No one ever knows how to spell my last name, so I'm sure you'll be able to find me. But um, yeah, if anyone like For just sure. wants to chat, anything sustainable fashion, anything rental, anything resale, um, you know, hit, hit, hit my DMs. We are back at the studio with my co-host, Maria, who is also our very knowledgeable beauty editor. How excited are you about the first British Vogue of the year, Maria? I'm very excited. And you know what? I think British Vogue came out with a bang and I'm very excited to dive right into it. Yeah, I do think British Vogue has picked up the pace and done a good job with this magazine for a change. 
Let's discuss more, starting with the cover. The cover is titled A Fashion Revolution, referring to the increases in resale and vintage fashion, but obviously also referring to the return of Kristen McMenemy, the American model, or supermodel even, known for her unconventional looks. Kristen wears Gucci sweatshirt on the cover, which is photographed by Steven Meisel. I mean, who else? And apparently, Steven makes a girl feel like a million dollars. Maria, to start with, what are your thoughts on the styling? Well, first of all, I'd have to agree with what you just said. Steven Meisel definitely knows how to make a girl look and feel like a million dollars. And, you know, overall, I think that Kristen McMenemy looks beautiful. The cover is very eye-catching and unique. But I think there's a lot of harmony here in the sense that the hairstyle isn't competing for attention with the makeup look. She looks very natural in terms of makeup, obviously, but this allows for her features to be highlighted, um, but still remain harmonious with, for example, the hair and the slightly, um, very colorful, actually, uh, Gucci jersey. Yeah, for some reason I find the blue and cold tones very January appropriate, which mm-hmm. I like. And Kristen looks like a winter fairy queen in this picture. <laughs> um, to me, this cover is very Vogue. Absolutely. It's interesting, it's different, it's captivating. Um, I remember when the cover first came out, Instagram went mad. Um, and we recently did a review of the best and worst British Vogue covers by mm-hmm. Edward Enningful, and not nearly all of them reached this level. Um, I mean, I'm a little obsessed. I agree. Um, I think this perhaps represents Edward coming into his own at Vogue and coming into the times as well, and really being able to combine Vogue with modern times. And if this is the result, I think we're in for a treat. I think so. Um, And as I mentioned, Kristen wears Gucci on the cover. Um, Could you tell me a bit more about Gucci? Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, everyone sort of knows Gucci a little bit. It's a beloved Italian luxury fashion brand. It was founded in 1921 by Gucci Gucci, producing leather goods made by local craftsmen. Um, And it was Aldo Gucci, his son, that made the brand synonymous with the Italian Dolce Vita aesthetic. But the infamous Gucci family feud in the 1980s, as seen recently in the divisive movie entitled House of Gucci, um, the brand was close to ruin until the family was finally ousted by 1993. Um, the The brand managed to be revived through a series of scandalously provocative yet very effective ads and the creative direction of Tom Ford, which led to Gucci being acquired by carrying a French fashion conglomerate. Currently, we are seeing a Gucci renaissance, thanks to Alessandra Michele, who has revived the sophisticated, sexy, and even, at times, gaudy past of Gucci, and and combining it with an intellectual and androgynous ideal of current trends. The result was extremely successful, as Gucci remains a favorite of consumers and fashion editors alike. Amazing. And, you know, overall, this cover is a 10 out of 10 for me. So I would say that we are off to a good start, right? Indeed. Well, let's then go straight into the editor's letter. Um, the first page of the letter is accompanied by a massive picture of Kristen, our cover star. And, um, well, you know, Kristen obviously looks incredible in mm-hmm. this picture. But Edward... 
My darling Edward, as we've said many times before, the editor's letters can feel a bit distant, yeah. while we actually want to feel closer to these incredible editors. So I wouldn't want something more、um, than this presentation. Either a picture of Edward with the cover star Kristen, like we often see in Vogue Scandinavia, or Edward pictured in his office where he works. Just you know something, something、mm-hmm. more. Um, but besides that,、um, I love how he says that he wants to ensure that in twenty twenty two, pragmatism does not become a byword for caution, and he wants to promote bold choices and new ways of thinking, which I think it's great to hear, and it also made me quite excited to see what's in the magazine.、Um, and I do agree, the first issue of the year should not step into the future softly. I completely agree, and I think this was one of the edited letters from Edward that I've actually enjoyed the most, just because you can really tell that he has this newfound boldness, and I mean he even went as far as declaring a revolution in fashion, and it was just、mm. all very exciting. I will say though, I was very disappointed that the the editor's letter was split down the middle by a Chanel ad. What was that? <laughs> I know it's it's a bit out of place, isn't it? Indeed. But um, but yeah, he does state that a revolution is underway in fashion, and that there is no more crucial focus for it than the conversation around sustainability. And yes, um,、uh, this is what we've been calling for. Um, British Vogue being one of the most established Vogue editions, I would even go as far as to argue that British Vogue is leading all Vogues、mm-hmm. at the moment. So it obviously must take a stance on the important and current topics within the fashion industry, and that's clearly what we see here. So so far so good.、Um, something that we have not discussed before is the meet and greet,、mm-hmm. introducing the faces behind this month's issue on page. Thirty-eight. Yeah, I thought this was、uh, very interesting in the sense that it adds a face to the names in in many ways, but also because you can get a sense of reasoning in what went behind certain product、uh, recommendations or photography ideas, that sort of thing. So I wanted to highlight especially Amber Valletta, who has taken over as the guest beauty director for a sustainability special on the beauty section. And I also wanted to highlight Sheriff Hamza, the photographer, for Reflections on Beauty on page one hundred and ninety, where he has created a love letter for his Filipina mother. But I would go as far as to say that he has indeed created a love letter for East and Southeast Asian um women,、mm-hmm. and、uh, I'm really excited to get into that. Oh, absolutely! I cannot wait. Um, but before that, let me just tell you about the fashion spreads. Um, the trends section begins with essential mix on page forty five, and I think British Vogue did a great job with this piece.、Uh, they feature a lot of the things that we've been calling for here at Vogue Digest.、Uh, this article is telling you how to create a look that never fails you by reinterpreting the classics. The first page features a selection of loafers. You know we love a loafer,、mm-hmm. uh, and the next page brings you a selection of maxi pencil skirts, which I、mm-hmm. love,、um, especially in the winter season. I think they're just a chic addition to any wardrobe, to quote Laura Ingham.、Mm-hmm. Um, but, but can I just bring you a few pages over to maximum volume on、mm-hmm. page fifty,、um, because I think this is the highlight of the fashion spread. 
Uh, first of all, they feature these incredible white leg trousers that are just chic, elegant, and even business appropriate when paired in the right way. But even more importantly, they feature them on a model, mm -hmm. which is something we've been calling for here over the past episodes. Absolutely. Um, this is what we want to see. So well done. Um, one note to make, though, is that they feature three trousers, one from Fendi, one from Victoria Beckham, and one from The Row. And all of these are around a similar price range, um, from around £600 to £900. And both could have um, showcased a bit more variety in their selections. This came up even in the discussion with our guest, Catherine, that Vogue seems very aspirational. And I think it would be great to see a bit more variety, like I said. That's a great observation. Um, I completely agree, yeah. Yeah, and additionally, um, I have to say that I'm not exactly sure how this spread goes with the theme of a fashion revolution, vintage, mm -hmm. and sustainability, as the products that are featured are indeed none of these things. Mm -hmm. um, I think this piece, or the fashion spread to a lar large extent, failed to deliver on this front um, when it comes to following the theme in a transparent and real way. Something else to report on the fashion front, on um, page 120, uh, we have a piece titled Guilty Pleasures, which is dedicated to all golden and silver accessories. So if we take Vogue's word for it, gold and silver details and accessories are a huge thing right now. Um, we have seen them in various editions of Vogue so far, mm -hmm. discussed them here on the podcast, and here they are again. Um, I have to say that this trend is starting to grow on me a little bit. That's, a, uh, that's interesting because I'm starting to get tired of saying it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but you know, this, this is how we compliment each other, exactly. Maria. It's, it's all about the contrast. <laughs> I just think that it's a, a difficult trend to pull off. And since you're a natural-born fashionista, you're more prone to trends, I believe. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, such accolades. Thank you very much. <laughs> but the final, final thing to mention in terms of fashion is something less impressive, actually. Um, page 55 brings you over the rainbow. And as the name of the article gives away, the double page spread is full of color. Um, I have to say that I'm not exactly sure what is going on here. Um, would you wear every color imaginable in the same outfit? Well, I'm slightly uh, a little bit of a color phobic, so this is a little bit intimidating for me. But more important than that, I think it looks a little bit childish. Yeah, and on top of that, I don't think this spread goes well with the rest of the fashion fashion section at all, mm -hmm. and has nothing to do with the theme. Indeed. So some might not agree, but to me. Um, the rainbow theme is not very classy and indeed not wintry, so it is a no-go. Mm -hmm. um, overall, I think the fashion section does deliver some exciting pieces, but did not quite live up to the theme. Um, that's all I have to say. Um, I would have some further thoughts on some of the other fashion articles, but as we want to do our magazine review in a chronological order, we will then come on to the beauty section for now. Um, and the cover of the beauty section on page 125 promises quite a lot. Indeed. Um, we come to the cover on page 125, 
and we are immediately greeted by this wonderful picture featuring this model with resplendent skin and uh, these gorgeous flowers. Um, I think, you know, immediately we can tell that this cover promises a lot. But I think I'm going to go ahead and spoil the section a little bit and say that it doesn't necessarily deliver the section. And despite the beautiful photography that we're seeing here by Felicity Ingram, uh, where, like I said, we see this gorgeous model with flowers, the section does come across as slightly dispersed and chaotic because things that should be a part of the beauty section aren't. And um, I don't think the beauty section necessarily had a clear vision in terms of the theme. Another I thing. Agree. Yeah. Yeah, um, another thing that I disliked about the cover was that we don't see a double spread. So on one page, we have an ad for Fortnum & Mason, of all things. And on the next page, we have the actual cover of the beauty section. It's just not as captivating as it should be. Yeah, and for some reason, that's always the case. I would like to know what is the reasoning um, behind that. Yeah. And before we dive in, I just wanted to preface um, the review of the beauty section with the fact that this January issue has a wonderful and strong theme, but it is by no means authentically represented in this beauty section to my great disappointment. And uh, if we turn the page, um, we will see, again, another beautiful image of the model by Felicity Ingram, and we will see the... Um, choices made by Amber Valletta as the guest beauty director and you know I appreciate that they're trying to emphasize sustainability and clean beauty and but the thing is the whole section is doing it from a consumerist perspective so we see for example um, reusable eye patches obviously it's a, we need to reuse these things that are meant to be single use um, but £51, is that really what sustainability is all about? Same thing goes for the Hourglass uh, reusable eyeshadow palette. I understand that when you want to reuse things, you want to make them the best quality possible. Therefore, they're going to be a little bit more expensive. But I don't think this is a message we need to send out to Vogue readers that sustainability is only accessible to... It's an aspirational thing, like you were discussing with Catherine. Sustainability is for all. And if we turn the page once again, we see this gorgeous uh, f photography of products, but how is this anything to do with clean beauty or sustainable beauty practices? It has nothing to do with it. It's very disappointing. <laughs> I would have much rather seen an exploration of vintage makeup, for example, or vintage inspired makeup and what actually yeah. constitutes clean beauty. Because I still, to this day, as someone who's obsessed with beauty, struggle to describe clean beauty because every day there's an ingredient that people are scared of, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I wish they would have emphasized how a person can make their beauty routine more sustainable and not which products we should buy in order to appear more sustainable. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I do also think that there would have been so many exciting things they could have done with the beauty section mm -hmm. for example the vintage makeup looks that you uh, mentioned um and we don't see any of that yeah unfortunately and then we just come to this i feel like it's almost random these holistic hideaways journey on a path to <laughs> conscience while being with an eco-friendly and ultra luxe spa holiday 
how does it how does this does not fit in with the theme at all you can call it eco-friendly all you like this isn't what the theme should be about the beauty section should have been about education because that's what sustainability requires yeah. for sure so uh, i must say especially this article disappointed me tremendously yeah um I do think so. And it's also nothing new. Like we've mm. seen such a spread so many times. Exactly. And I was recently reading Vogue Singapore, for example, and they have this, you know, new, interesting way of uh, presenting some of these, um, I guess, similar um, holistic hideaways. But this, you know, this presentation is quite boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's why Vogue Singapore holds such a special place in my heart because its beauty section is so unique. And you come to the last page of this current beauty section, the beauty musings, and we've seen this. This is incredibly formulaic, and it's getting very, very tiring. And I must say, I overall, I was left very cold in the sense that with such an, oh, an extremely imaginative theme, the beauty section remained formulaic, and I wanted more from it. Indeed, and, and, and I do think the star of the show in, in terms of the beauty section is 100% the photographs mm -hmm. um, by Felicity Ing Ingram. It's an um, amazing job. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then what I think the beauty section should have been all about is what we're going to come to now on page 190, which mm. is the reflections on beauty as photographed by Sharif Hamza as we introduced uh, him on the meet and greet section and this is just beautiful this is captivating you see immediately a double spread you see these beautiful models they I think the clothing has a real vintage inspiration to it I think the styling by Dena Giannini was made was extraordinary I think she did a great job what are your thoughts so far yeah I have to say that this was the highlight of the whole magazine Indeed. for me um i was surprised that this was not included in the beauty section i think Absolutely. it should have been um but yeah especially the styling i was thoroughly impressed with um elevated and beautiful mm -hmm. as they describe it in the article i completely agree um yeah yeah, and for me, this is what I want to see from British Vogue, namely their take on beauty, because you turn the page and page after page, you just see these gorgeous high fashion beauty looks. And I must say that the makeup artist who is named Grace Ann, um, my goodness, I'm a fan. I'm going to have to follow her on Instagram if she has an Instagram page. Oh. For sure. Because I, I'm going to need some inspiration because she has gone above and beyond in enhancing the natural beauty of these women, for sure. I Yeah, absolutely. I really think that she had this in-depth understanding um, to enhance and celebrate the features of each of these women without this unnecessary exaggeration. Um, so absolutely well done. My favorite beauty look from this um, spread would be on page 194 on Sir Gwellen Mariano mm -hmm. and the beautiful blue um, subtle cat eye um, liner. Indeed. Amazing. Yeah, and I just think that this is the perfect way of fighting the unfortunate ugly rise in anti-Asian sentiments because 
you're fighting with love and in the sense that you're demonstrating, look, these women are beautiful and they have power in their femininity. And that's always something that inspires me tremendously. And I especially love the look on page 197 on the model Link 10, a Malaysian Chinese mm -hmm. who has said that Beauty is how you feel inside, inner happiness, self-confidence, joy, and peace. And I thought that was really touching. And my goodness, what a spread. Absolutely. And this is also a great effort from British folk mm -hmm. to truly be with the times and be more diverse. I agree. But um, let's then come back to the discussion on some fashion bits. This month, as we know, British folk is dedicated to vintage fashion and sustainability. And the article titled The Rise in Resale did quite a good job in communicating about the recent changes in people's behavior and shopping habits around vintage fashion. They talk about how in the current climate, pre-loved, pre-worn and resale clothing could not be more desirable. Uh, they also point out how the term vintage is often misused as technically it should only be applied to clothes, clothes made between the past 20 and 99 years, but does actually cover all grounds and common interactions. Um, but ultimately, people's sense of ownership has changed according to Vogue, and I think that's absolutely right. Especially during the pandemic, I think it is evident how people's attitudes have actively changed to be more open and accepting of resale fashion, but also just more interested in all things resale and the sharing economy. Um, to quote the article, now it is all about meaningful purchases, and that is very clear, clearly the impact of the pandemic on the way we consume fashion. Yeah, I thought this article was fascinating, and this is exactly what we've been asking to see from British Vogue. It's wonderfully educational, and it's it's current, isn't it? Yeah, and quite accurately, the article also makes the point that you do not need to buy the latest thing in fashion to be able to be well-dressed, which I think is a great observation, mm -hmm. and I absolutely agree with. Um, however, there are a few things the article failed to mention and consider, for example, the rise of resale should not, and actually is not, mm -hmm. limited to just vintage fashion. Um, I think Vogue could have used this valuable opportunity to educate their readers on other important and effective ways of contributing to the sustainability agenda mm -hmm. um, in the fashion industry by also mentioning other methods to be more responsible with fashion consumption. The first thing that comes to my mind um, is obviously rental platforms, which, by the way, also offer access to vintage fashion. Um, additionally, while it is great that British Vogue is offering this space for such an important topic and accurately represents what is happening on the resale fronts um, and online vintage platforms at the moment, we have so far not heard on any occasion what is British Vogue specifically doing to support sustainability. Um, they should lead by example and what a great opportunity this would have been for them to let us know a bit more. Um, but yeah, having said that, this is the kind of articles I would want to see more. Mm -hmm. um, this was educational and attempting to educate the reader while also reflecting the current climate in the fashion industry on the verge of the pandemic. So it was a great effort for sure. I agree. 
Um, following this, there's another fab article on the theme of sustainability, a world of our own, on page 168, as part of the Forces for Change initiative by British Vogue, um, which actually seeks to celebrate people, organizations, and ideas that are pushing for a more progressive future. So this is showcasing a new generation of independent designers that are working to bring fashion and sustainability together in their designs. Um, I think it is fantastic that British Vogue is giving a voice for independent and smaller designers this way. This is the kind of inclusivity we would love to see a lot more um, from British Vogue. I especially love the photography. It's very high fashion. And I must say that I'm especially taken by the design from the brand Bodhi from America. And yeah, the photography is just really amazing. Yeah, I think I'm equally impressed by the designs, but also the photography in this piece. Most of these designers showcased um, sourced their materials from dead stock and leftover textiles and garments that would be destined to landfill. Um, in addition to being motivated by the circular economy and the desire to innovate the fashion industry on the verge of the climate crisis, like I said, the images are just so beautiful, very vogue and high fashion-like. In addition to that, the designers are not from one or two places, but from a diverse selection of countries, including India, Bolivia, Sweden, Japan, Morocco, Nigeria, and many others. So it is a 10 out of 10 for this um, from me, absolutely. As we are then heading towards the end of our discussion, Maria, I would love to hear your magazine highlight for this British Vogue. Well, for me, uh... I, I was quite disappointed in the beauty section, but the highlight for me was definitely Reflections on Beauty on page 190. I think the styling by Dena Giannini was impeccable and the makeup artistry by Grace Anne was extraordinary. So indeed, the highlight of the magazine for me. Yeah, um, mine would most definitely have to be the educational device of resale. But even more than that, yeah, I agree. Reflections on beauty, showcasing the diverse East and Southeast Asian beauty as a response to the very ugly rise in the anti-Asian sentiment during the mm -hmm. pandemic is a winner. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, this was another great effort from British Vogue to be more diverse. Um, yeah. As in this very article, the casting director, Michelle Lee, and the models explain why representation is so important. Mm -hmm. But I have to say that I'm quite impressed with this issue of British Vogue. Although the beauty section could have, could have offered so much more, I do think we see great improvements from the past episodes and things look a lot more promising for 2022. Um, I'm glad to see the important topics of sustainability, education, inclusion, and diversity being a big part of the January issue, as it should be. Absolutely. Um, but equally, I was a bit disappointed with the delivery of some things, and there's just so much more that could have been done with the really fun and important theme of vintage fashion and sustainability. So I think this is a four out of five for me. Um, I mean, it's good effort. Yeah, I think four out of five definitely reflects the fact that they're going in a different direction and that definitely deserves some sort of recognition. And 
despite the some of the shortcomings of this edition of Vogue, British Vogue, I do think that they're trying, and I think this is very promising for 2022. So four out of five, perfect rating. Amazing. Um, this then concludes our episode for this week. Thank you, Maria, for joining me as always. And a special thank you to Catherine, our guest speaker on sustainability and vintage fashion, for taking part in the conversation. Um, you should most definitely stay tuned for our next episode out next Wednesday as we step into the world of Vogue Singapore. The January-February issue was incredibly difficult to find as it was sold out literally everywhere. So you do not want to miss the lowdown with Vogue Digest. Thank you for listening to this episode of Vogue Digest, uncovering Vogue magazine yet again. Make sure to catch our episode next week as we step into the world of Vogue Singapore. And in the meantime, head over to our Instagram at This Is Vogue Digest for additional daily material on all things Vogue.